Welcome to episode number 116 of the Disney Hipster Podcast, a show critiquing the aesthetic choices of the Disney company. My name is Adam, and I rarely write for the Disney Hipster blog. With me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew. Hello there. But not Jamie and Keith. No. This week, we're joined by Leonard Kinsey. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. He's from Dark Side of Disney. Yes, maybe I should have said that. Yeah, I go retarded. (laughs) On today's show, we're going to be doing a couple random segments and then talking to Leonard about what he does for the Disney community. Before we get into today's main topic, we would love if you would follow us on Twitter at Disney Hipsters and read our blog at DisneyHipsters.com. Also, rate the show on iTunes, please. It's the top five pieces of the news this week. Which one will you choose? It's the top five pieces of the news this week, and the other four might lose. So Disney, the Disney, that again. Disney Try, talk like a human. I don't talk like a human. Disney officially announces that Move It, Shake It, Celebrate It will be refurbed okay. sometime in the fall. Well, a we already knew that that was happening. We did, but it's official. And then B, we, and we had got it details. confirmed. Right, we had it confirmed by a cast member who dances in the show. Telling us at length the details of the refurbishment. Yes. So let me let me say what they release and yes. then what we know. Okay. So they're changing the name to Move It, Shake It, Dance and Play It. Okay. Just a bit much. Um, they're getting rid of a lot of the characters and they're bringing in Stitch and Phineas and Ferb, but they're keeping the fat Minnie, Minnie, and Donald and Goofy. Okay. They are playing. They're replacing the music, the awesome "Pump Up the Party Now" music. We are in Pumping up the party now. Okay, to a, mel- a medley of remix classic party songs. That sounds horrible. Uh-huh. Is it going to be Monster Master and Who Halloween? Knows. And then guests will vote for one of three current dance songs oh. for the finale, which is the play it part of it. That sounds horrible. Yeah. Leonard, have you ever seen the show? Movie yeah, you know, I try, actually try to avoid it when possible, but you can't escape it. It's I mean, impossible. It's, That's yeah. what it is. I didn't love it necessarily, no. but I was obsessed with the song just and, from like, because right. you really can't avoid it. And the dancing. It's so loud. Right. Yeah, the, yeah it is. The, the pump up the party jam move. Yeah. I love that move. And it really stinks because the cast member was going to teach us all the dance moves. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were going to do it. But now the dance moves have probably changed because they're no longer pumping up the party. Yeah. Why I'm would really you do the fist pump that. if you're not pumping up the party? Yeah. There is, this uh, show does hold the distinction of having the highest gay guy per straight guy ratio. Of which of, it is. Of anywhere in the entire world. Which the ratio is 100 to zero. Exactly, 100 <laughs> to zero. Even more so than like a gay pride parade. Yes. It basically is a gay pride parade. It has the most gay face I've ever seen in one place. Like I'm surprised that gay black hole doesn't open every time it performs. Seriously. <laughs> I believe it. I do love it. But I, they are getting rid of Sebastian. Yes, thank you. And that, the, no, that's the bad thing is I actually, as much as I hate Sebastian, I will be sad when I don't see him pumping up the party anymore. They should put Sebastian in Ariel's little grotto there for a meet and greet. He should be in the grotto. I'm not excited about the, this uh, change. Not at all. I hate it. Yeah, already. do you have any thoughts about it at all? Um, <laughs> I, I think it's a... Uh, you know, I'm I'm not really concerned about it either way, but I, I I see there are people who do seem to be up in arms about it. So, you know, that's something for the Twitter sphere to uh, to rant about for a few days. I guess I don't know why there has to be a mini parade every dance every party. hour. 
It's a mini parade. Yeah. It's a parade. Those it, poor cast members, they work them to death. Yeah, they do. Yep. Oh, it's really sad. Because they'll do, like, people don't realize, but those people are also doing Main Street Electrical that night. And, and hoedowns. the hoedown. So they'll be, like, going from, like, that to hoedown to that. Yeah, it's, it's just horrible. like dancing and dancing and dancing and dancing, and then that's why they're all so damn Florida. skinny. They look great though. They do. They're in good shape. They're yep. in really good shape. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, up next, next American Film Institute showcase closes forever, and the shop. Can you even remember what show this or what uh, store this is? Because yeah. I can't. It's the one with all like the Hollywood memorabilia. No, that was no, no, that was... no, 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 not, yeah, yeah. not that. It has like fake. Hollywoody type movie stuff. What does that mean? Where is this? It was at the end when you would get off the tram after yeah. the backlot tour thing. You would go through the American Film Institute and you see yeah. all the props. And then at the end of that, there would be a store that would have like fake Oscars with like your name oh. on it or like number one dad. Oh, yeah. yes. That store. Okay. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I could care less. They're, they're just prep, like uh, sort of like prepping. Hollywood Studios for it to be this new whatever Star Wars land and whatever land. They're just redoing the whole thing. Yeah, but right now the Backlot Tour is still going with one even one even less than it had before. Oh my god. Wow, I like, can't remember the last time I did that. That's the it's worst. Been a while. Well, they yeah. cut it down so short and then yeah. that American Film Institute part was probably the best thing about it. Was it? Yeah, I've well, only been on it once ever. But like, I like I, Catastrophe Canyon. That's fun, right? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But I, I like it. When I went, the first time I went, they had props from, um, what's it called? Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's fun. In there. Cool. That's a good time. Which is awesome. I don't know. I just, I just think they're prepping the whole park to go under a huge refurbishment, just like uh, California Adventure. Yeah. And I'm into that. I'm surprised they haven't announced it yet. I can't believe they haven't announced a lot of things. Probably for the best, because I'd rather them, like, not announce it, like, pull Universal, basically announce it when it's, like, two months from being done. Isn't that crazy? Announce it, and then it's, like, five years later, and we're still waiting for it. But in this park, unless they're going to expand the berm of the park, it's impossible to do that. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, what's it called? American Idol is closing in, like, a month. Mm-hmm. Yep. or whatever and they did they kind of announced that it was going away and then they upped the date or whatever but they have to announce it just in case people are planning trips around things that was that was the news item <laughs> you know what five. I mean hope no one's planning trips around that or sounds dangerous that's yeah. that's down too right of course, well it sounds yeah. dangerous has been down for like three right. years but you get to yeah. see the comedy club return and they never that's announced right. they never announced it the comedy that's warehouse fucked up yeah but I at the end of the day, I think when they did DCA, they had to announce it to justify to people who were going to show up there that they yeah. expect a disaster. Yeah. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And in this case, it's just a disaster, but with no explanation. I can't wait for this park to be something that I want to go to again. Yeah. It's embarrassing. A full day park? The fact this yeah. isn't This isn't even a two-hour park for us. The fact that it does the same number as Animal Kingdom is such a... Joke. It's such a joke. Animal Kingdom yeah. is such an amazing park. But consider, but I'm saying Animal Kingdom closes at like five on average every day. Right. This thing's open to like nine every day, and it does. What the are same people numbers. doing there until nine? That's I, a good question. I really don't know. We go there for lunch sometimes, and then leave. I don't know. I like Tower yeah. of Terror, but Adam won't go on that. I like the Great Movie Ride. I'll do that every time. But yeah, we I'll do, do that it. Every time. I mean, I, we do it every time. But I can. They yeah. are getting rid of it though. That's going away. 
Yeah, I heard that they might be doing that, but I also heard that they were booked out for their um, yes, events yep. for, what, a year or two or something? So. Yeah, but that'll definitely go away in the end. Yeah, I don't know. They, they got to change the whole theme of the park, I guess. Yeah. I don't, right? That's my thought, is that you should just abandon the whole Hollywood thing. They already kind of have. I mean, it used to be a functional Hollywood studio. You know, now it's more about just about the movies. Yeah. Not about right. actually a working studio. Um yeah. I don't know where they'd go with it from there. Maybe just be movie land type but, thing. But then there's like rock and roller coaster. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't make like, sense. Just make it a generic It never made sense. It never yeah. did at like, all. You'd really be better off naming it like Disney's Florida Adventure or something right. stupid like that. But that right. makes it even worse. But something generic, I mean, like not that obviously. Right. Something that's not like a specific thing like Hollywood. I don't Hollywood. get why there has to be a studios type park in every resort i don't so get it that's the like the worst of them all yeah opinion. it's horrible crazy moving on next so one. so we were just talking about the american idol thing that was already announced but they moved it up until august 30th which has me slightly perturbed okay because not because i have a huge interest <laughs> but because we've never we've never, we've never even <laughs> been in that building not once i remember when american idol had, what is it adventure american experience? idol experience debuted and we're like oh maybe one day we'll go on that thinking it's gonna last way too long just like everything else and then uh they announced that it's closing in january and we're like okay we definitely are gonna do it in october we're gonna go we're gonna see it yeah and then they move it up fuck my life now we've never been to american idol yeah keith made a good point with this one which is that um maybe that frozen show would go nicely in there no, they have to close that building. They're going to close that building. They might temporarily throw like a frozen thing in there. Oh, maybe. Oh, while, maybe while they do refurbs of other stuff. Yeah, because there's a stage, there's a sound system. Yeah, like why close it earlier than it was going to be closed? That just seems a little weird. It seems silly. Yeah, maybe through the new year they'll do the Frozen show. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I'm glad it's going away because I hate more than anything waiting for the studios to open. Mm-hmm. And then them playing that American Idol music. Well, that was the worst. Oh, I hate it. I was going to try out for it, but we, I never did. You should have tried out for it. It would have been hilarious. I think you would have won. I probably would have. As terrible <laughs> as I am. Um, okay, so number three. You could now buy Magic Bands without a ticket. Just the regular ones. But it's also limited to five. Because someone wants to hoard Magic Bands, apparently. What are What's you talking about? What's the purpose about? of that? I don't know. Like, yeah, why would you even want this? Yeah, why would you want one? Well, I think problem is that, a problem with it is that people would want to, like, give the magic bands to, like, a loved one when they were surprising them or something. <laughs> For but what? they didn't buy the uh, tickets yet. Uh, so you could, like, link the tickets later. Huh. No, that's not why. That is why. That's not why. I swear. That's weird that you said that. That is I know why. people who have too many, like, just naturally. Do you know oh, how many we have? We, we, we have? we each eight, have. We have 19. We have e- <laughs> each of us. Have one in each color, and I have five gray ones. And we get, and we're getting four more. And we're getting four more. Surely, yeah. We get them all the time. They never stop sending them. We split stays a lot, so they'll they'll like, you know, we'll have three different rooms at the Animal Kingdom Lodge over two. But why period. can't they recognize that we yeah. are annual pass holders, and we just want one Magic Band? And we have our annual pass Magic Bands too. I bedazzled mine Such with glitter. Waste. You did. You guys taking one of those apart and seeing what? What's inside of it? No, is it no. worth doing? We made uh, my company. Yeah, I mean, there's we, two. Ar- yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no sorry. Go ahead. 
Okay, well, there's two RFID chips and then a watch battery. I mean, at the very least, you got the watch battery you could you could use to. Uh, That's sweet. Put in some, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, we those RFID chips we use in our packaging of hmm. our products, so, and they use it Do to you? like track it around the world. So that wow. way, stuff that they we sell to Canada for cheap doesn't come back into the United States. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's nice. That's pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, and then finally, a uh, well, no one cares about the magic band, right? It's just no, that's stupid. It's stupid. Um, baby gorilla, Animal Kingdom. Oh, I love that Aww. baby gorilla. Yeah. So this is the fourth baby gorilla bo- born at Animal Kingdom. Yeah, I'm I'm into gorillas. They're okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a cool exhibit there. Why wasn't it? Was it not named yet? No, they didn't name it yet. I don't think they name it until they're sure it's not going to die. Well, <laughs> I mean that's a good idea. Because then people get all attached to it. Oh, that's sad. I imagine the mom, the mom gorilla, just kills the baby every once in a while. Do they like eat their? Them? Yeah, do they yeah. eat their babies like hamsters? <laughs> I don't think so. That'd be awesome. I think they more ignore them. Oh, why would it do that? Let them starve. Yeah. Well, a lot of the they like they didn't learn good parenting because a lot of them were captive bred for so long. Yeah. So. You know. But they should have an instinct. Yeah, but um, sometimes it's just not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's anyway, I'm very excited. It's very, he's very cute, and it's good that they're. Yeah, it's a little boy gorilla. That's great. Conservation are gorillas purposes. endangered? Yes, yes, they are. In the wild, they are. They are indeed. They can't be in captivity. They're not endangered. Yeah, but you got to keep breeding them and keep the uh, genetics diverse. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm into that. Is it? Do you have another news item? No. This was a slow week. It was. All right. It's a thing not likely to happen. In honor of our special guest, Leonard, today, we're going to be talking about uh, if we were to create a den of sin at Disney World, where would it be and what would it be? And uh, mine isn't so... Uh, mine's not so like provocative necessarily, but I want to have a burlesque shop uh, in Frontierland. Okay, so imagine like ladies with uh, like feathers covering up their boobies, and mm. you know everyone kind of getting rowdy and just getting fucked up. And it would be called Lady and the Tramps. <laughs> okay? okay, and so it's just I. Uh, Sort of like a diamond horseshoe situation. Why don't you put yeah. it in the diamond horseshoe? It will be in the diamond horseshoe, but it's called Lady and the Tramps Diamond Horseshoe Review. In which case, ladies come out with feathers covering their titties. Can they all have horse faces? Well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> and But the main part would be that there would be a bar, and everyone would be getting fucked up and looking at these beautiful ladies. And it would be more art. Well, they be porn. full. They gotta be like full figured ish. Yeah, they'll be fat as shit. <laughs> I didn't say fat. <laughs> well, you said full figured. I know what you meant. No, I meant like a little jiggly. I just think that. Fat. I just think that. How could you not use that name for something? I would see that. Right. Definitely. I would pay just based on the name. I do. If they had an upcharge for it, I would pay the upcharge. Clearly, there it could be a part of not so scary. There's really a lot of things <laughs> that Disney's just throwing money out the window. Yeah, I know. Really. Come on, Lady and the Tramps. Are you kidding me? That would be awesome. I would enjoy that. Not really, but I would enjoy it. All right, Leonard, what's your answer? So, so mine's not too far off. I would have a uh, a strip club on the monorail because oh they already got God. the poles, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So um, I'd, I'd stick a bar in, in each cab and uh, and yeah, just have you could have the lap dances because you got the benches and mm-hmm. you got the poles, mm-hmm. stripper poles already there. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Could you imagine if there was just like a party train that went around? Yeah, it should loop? be. It How really you, should. What is uh, instead? It can be called the Porn Favor monorail. Porn Favor. <laughs> Would it still have a monorail loop, but like a Selma's dirty one? Selma's Avos. Porn Favor. <laughs> 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 I thought that was clever. Porn I love Favor. this idea. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually. And then uh, the like the, the the captain from the front can come out every once in a while, uh-huh. and he can do a little dance for the ladies. I love it. Yeah, I assume that it's a man. It's probably not always a man, though. Yeah, I'm yeah. You could have I'm like a pull away, you know, yes. outfit, and just Clearly. rips it off and does a little dance. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be amazing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I would pay to be on that monorail. Me too. Yeah. Adam, what's your I would, answer? Um, I'm going to go for an opium den in the China Pavilion where that hotel is that you play. I love that her. hotel. Because that, that door is awesome, but it just goes to nothing. So it should go down to like a basement where there's like a cracked out, like smoky house opium den thing. Yeah. And they're all playing cards and they look at, look at you like you're crazy when you go down, but then you have a good time anyway. Yes. That'd be cool. It sounds like something that would be in Knott's Berry Farm. Like, it's already <laughs> Knott's Berry Farm. Like, you could just port that into... I've never been to Knott's. Is that how it is? Yeah, they've got... In the old West Town, there's just all this, like, kind of seedy stuff going on, like, uh, all over the place. Yeah. It's, uh, I love it's pretty that. interesting. Yeah. i got to get there one day. Yeah, yeah, next time you guys go out, you should check it out. Yeah. It's, it's a worse we scene, definitely. Our trip's very long. Yeah, maybe we'll go out for a day. Yeah. We're going to Disneyland for seven days. Is it yeah. seven days? Oh. Yes. It's a, it's a, it, you could do the, the only part we're really seeing is the Old West part. Um, you could do that in half a day. Really? Hmm. Oh, and it's cheap. I think we got our tickets for 32 bucks. Nice. Wow. So, yeah. Really nice. Yeah, so I don't know. I just think Disney needs something like seedy. Yeah. I think yeah. you said the right yeah. word. Like seedy. something dark and dank and weird and drug filled. <laughs> yeah. Especially World Showcase. I mean, even if no one's doing real drugs, at least it, like, represent real life. It's authentic. Yeah, I want representation. Even if it was, like, hookah smoke? No, no. I mean, they could get, like, a fog machine or something. I don't know. No, you could smoke, like, pipes down there of some sort. No. I mean, it would be better if it was really opium, but... No. You know. Not that I would do it, but I would enjoy it. Watching people come out of there and throw up and, like, be all... I was befriended with a group of... Group of... Well-known musicians who smoked a lot of opium in the early 2000s. That's very weird. It's true. All right. Okay. So uh, today is a little bit untraditional for Disney Hipster Blog, or blog, podcast, whatever. Just a podcast. This is the podcast. People talk on it. We're talking. And uh, we're going to actually talk to Leonard about his, uh, I don't know, contributions to the Disney community. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. Can I talk about real quick how we got introduced to Leonard or the the existence of Leonard? I don't even know how we did. You bought me The Dark Side of Disney, Leonard's book. Oh, my book, God. Right when we started to really, really, really get into Disney World enough to like buy that. weird books. You yeah. got me that and For Christmas. the other the book about like the land development and all that stuff. Oh, Project yeah. Project Future. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. And I read your book first because it was my speed. <laughs> Yeah, that's and right. I got it. you. I got you that for Christmas. I forgot about that. Yeah, that awesome. Wasn't, that was a. That, I mean, that was a few years after yeah. we and, started going to Disney. And now we're talking, and it's a little weird. 
That's not weird to but me. Awesome. No, that is awesome. I mean, the so the book came out uh, two, August 2011, so it's been out a while now. Yeah, so we started the blog in 2011, so that makes, actually, August of 2011, so that makes sense. Yeah, it had just come out, I think, when Andrew bought it. Right. Wow, yeah. you guys were on the cutting edge. We were. That's great. Yeah, so that's fun. <laughs> it's just such a good product. So so Leonard wrote this book, uh, Dark Side of Disney. Uh, me and Adam bought it, not knowing who he was or anything, mm-hmm. and uh Leonard, why don't you tell us about sort of the uh, genesis of that book? Sure. Um, so I was born and raised in Florida, like around the, the Tampa area. So it was a few hours away from Walt Disney World, but we used to go there at least once a month. And uh, they used to have really good deals and probably still do for Florida locals. So uh, I went to the opening day of Epcot and the opening day of uh, MGM Studios, and I just really... It was like a second home to me almost. Yeah. Uh, but as I got older, we kept going there. And when I was a teenager, it kind of, I guess, wasn't quite as magical as it was when I was a kid. And I'd have to try to find other ways to entertain myself there, I guess. Um, you know, my mom would let me go off and, and just run around by myself. Maybe I'd have a friend with me. And, and uh, we'd start trying to find our own kinds of fun that didn't involve going on Small World for the 80 millionth time, even though right. I love that ride. Right. But uh, so as teenagers do, we got into various sorts of shenanigans, and and uh, and I started taking dates there, like going to the poly uh, and just sitting on a bench at the beach and watching the fireworks because it was free. Yeah. Uh, and you know that was always a, a panty dropper, I guess you could say. Yeah, totally. Um, that sounds amazing. Like <laughs> uh, and then in, and then in college, uh, started drinking and. You know, doing all the things college kids were into, and and whenever I'd come back from school in the summer, we'd go to Walt Disney World, and and sort of find ways to sneak booze in the park, and uh, and then you know the drugs and sex and and all that kind of stuff, and it all just kind of culminated in in this bunch of experiences in Walt Disney World that I had never seen anyone talk about really and then we found out about the utilidors and we thought that was like an urban legend because at the time the internet wasn't it wasn't the sort of thing where you could just google it Uh um it was kind of this thing where oh there's a whole city underneath there right everyone was like that's ridiculous right but um so we at one point decided to find out if that was true and basically went around and opened every door that we saw and finally found an entrance down there Totally. And, and explore the utilidors. Yeah, um, right by and, right by Cinderella's drinking fountain, right? There, yeah, that's that's the one that we went into the first time. It's a drinking yeah. fountain? And, yeah, you know where Cinderella's drinking fountain is. Why is it a drinking fountain? The water fountain. There's a little yeah, there's a little fountain there. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that was the best like the part about the book I love the most. It's like your crazy yeah. adventures. And so and so we actually we actually filmed it. Um, I went down there with the video camera. This was back when high eight cameras were kind of the, mm. the pinnacle of the technology. It wasn't huge, but it wasn't inconspicuous by any means. Um, and I held it at my side and kind of walked the length of utilidors from one section of the park to the other. And that's and, on, uh, and that's on YouTube, right? That, that one is on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. If I've watched that a few um, times. Yeah. I mean, so, I, a lot of people I think are surprised, would be surprised, but if, like if you look like you belong somewhere, no one, there's so many employees that no one's really ever going to say anything. I think that's the thing is that there's a lot of kids who work there, uh, first of all, and a lot of kids in street clothes coming or going from, from yeah. the job. Uh, and, you know, they don't expect 
guests to be walking around down there. Mm. So it just no one really questioned it. But uh, so at the time I was filming all this stuff, all all these different crazy things I used to do, like going to the topping bar and just loading up on toppings at Pecos Bills and, oh. and making that a meal, like stuff like that. And I compiled all life. this for uh, a documentary I did for my college tv station mm-hmm. and I, I made up this half hour documentary called the dark side of disney and nobody watched it like nobody <laughs> cared they just did not give a shit um so i kind of shelved it and uh and then years later you know i people would ask me for tips going to the park so i'd kind of work up this tip sheet of all these different things you know do this don't do this these right. are things they won't tell you these are the things guidebooks aren't aren't telling you about um, and I'd also tell them, they'd come back and then I'd tell them some stories about all the shenanigans I got into. And everyone was really entertained by those. And right. They were always like, oh, you should write a book. This is great. Uh, and finally I was like, you know what? You're right. I should write a book. And a lot of it was born out of frustration from the other, uh, guidebooks that were out there, the other sure. travel guides, because, um, they had no relevance to the sort of trips that I was taking to Walt Disney World. Right. No, nor to, nor to ours. Right. And I think, right. like, I mean, that's really why our blog exists and your book exists right. and all these exactly. little kind of niche more adulty aimed and stuff. And that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. a very, at the time, I didn't know what the, I didn't know how big that niche was, like, but um, I figured maybe there's other people like me out there. In other words, adults who right. love Disney and who, you know, aren't necessarily into meet and greets and, you know, all this kind of stuff. You just want to go and have a fun time at Walt Disney World as an adult. Right. I didn't know what that market was, but I was, so I wrote it for me, basically. Um, and I wrote the kind of travel guide that I would want to read. And apparently there are a lot of people out there who, <laughs> who are like me uh, because it, when it was released, it ended up selling extremely well. And uh, so that kind of just kick-started the, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I read your book. I read this initial book less as a travel guide, obviously, because i you know been going to Disney World for years or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, kind of was into the same things as you were. But it, it honestly just read like an entertaining kind of just book. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. It was very entertaining. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is you, Not like a guidebook. You didn't just make a guidebook. You made a guidebook slash like storybook. Right. Yeah, totally. Like, totally. And that's stories. what's really awesome about it is it's not just like pure facts that's hard to read. Yeah. It's like facts and things to do and tips interwoven with like actual experiences and yeah, tales a lot, and whatever. Exactly. There's a lot of stories in there that kind of illustrate the points I'm trying to make and and it, the whole thing's very tongue-in-cheek. You know, I know yeah. there's people who take it so seriously, and it's like, oh, my God, you know, people call me the Antichrist of Disney. Like, this guy's trying to ruin everything. But, you know, I love Disney, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the, like I said, all of it was very – supposed to be humorous, supposed to be tongue-in-cheek, supposed to be very entertaining. And because some of those guidebooks are so dry. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you want to – Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want mine to be like that. Yeah. So – um, yeah. And I, I think, I yeah. think at the end of the day, we all, as people who go a lot and as an adults who go a lot, especially, we all have like our little tricks and stuff that aren't mm-hmm. probably the most, I don't know, savory. Yeah, things that we all do that sure. n- none of us really talk about. I think you have the bravery to talk anything. about. Yeah, we do. We have our little tricks of the Ooh, trade for Florida, like yeah. Florida annual passes, like getting discounts on things and stuff. Sure. That's a little unsavory. Sure. But anyway, but I think everybody does, and that's the point, is that you kind of just 
eliminated yeah, a lot I, of them. And some of them are obviously just for effect and entertainment. Right. And I, don't I took it to an extreme yeah. uh, to the point where it almost borders in the ridiculousness in some of it. But, you know, that's part of the entertainment value of it. You know, exactly. You're kind of living vicariously through uh, through the book, and and that's part of the fun. You're not going to do this stuff yourself, right. but it's fun reading about it. Sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, we would never, like, go explore backstage areas of, like, closed attractions. Yeah. we. I mean, we would never. I mean, it's interesting to see it, but you know what? There's plenty of pictures that document that, exactly. you know. I don't yeah. know. That's just not our bag. But, I mean, it's very interesting to read about. So this book takes off, you know, does really, really well. I remember for a hot minute, like, it's what a lot of people were talking about or whatever. Maybe that's how we heard about it and uh, sure. ended up buying it. And then you decided to uh, publish more books, correct? It did. So I, I ended up writing um, a fiction book called Our Kingdom, Our Kingdom of Dust, uh-huh. which was a takes place in Walt Disney World and it's sort of um I guess the theme of it is is uh, people who use and I've seen this a lot in the fan communities people who use Walt Disney World as a form of escapism sure um to, which we all do I mean we all and it was about me as much as anyone else we go there to get away from from the real world essentially right and um and I think for a lot of people it almost becomes an addiction it becomes like a drug uh, and you know when you leave there, you just crave it. You crave going back. You can't wait till you get that next fix. It's the worst in the world. Yeah, it really is awful. Yeah, and so and awesome. that to me, um, it kind of led me to examine this sort of mentality and tie it into to like like drug use. So I created this thing called the dust, mm. which is a drug that these people take when they're not at the parks that makes them feel like it has that same escape from reality. So all these uh, these characters are kind of either in Walt Disney World, and if they're not in Walt Disney World, they're on the dust. Right. And it's, um, I kind of examined this whole, this whole mentality that we're all into, and it was as much self-examination as anything else, and, you know, why someone would go, would do that, essentially. Right. Um, so, so I, I released that book, and it was very, very well received, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, by that point, having two books out, I'd kind of assembled a, a really good team around me of uh, cover designer, editor, totally. Uh, layout and you have Draven stuff. modeling for both yep. of the first two books. Sure. Yep. She's fantastic. Yeah, she was an absolutely wonderful cover model. Yeah, uh, she's perfect. And and so uh, I think people were seeing that I was putting out kind of quality releases about uh, about Disney stuff. So people started uh, coming to me with with their books that maybe were non-traditional like not something that disney was going to publish but uh and so that kind of took off so uh first one was ron schneider's from dreamer to Dreamfinder, yeah about his time as a entertainment artist and uh, specifically a lot of it was about uh, being Dreamfinder and epcot and you know he really took a chance on me and and i i owe him a lot for that and that book really did very well and it well it was very well written first of all he's obviously a very talented writer uh that's one of the things that he's done so on the heels of that i um was talking to jeff heimbook who's a huge fan of dark side of disney and a big supporter of it from the very beginning and he had hooked up with roly crump uh, the imagineer who worked with walt uh to do the the world's fair and it's Mm -hmm. a small world and uh, he was working on the museum of the weird uh, he did the Tiki Room, and Jeff was um, 
Jeff was working with Rolly to do his his autobiography, his memoirs, and it sounds it sounds weird now, but at the time, like this was years ago, like no one like Rolly, he wasn't forgotten, but right. People just didn't really. He wasn't. He was a, lost in the shuffle. He was. Yeah. He wasn't like a, a household name, um, and also his story, just because of who he is as a person, is not one that can be sanitized right. and not one right. that could be put out by Disney. Yeah, because there's um, a lot of booby pictures and marijuana posters. And yeah, a lot like of yeah. drug influenced stuff. And yeah. if you cut all that out, you you ruin the essence of what is really totally. Trump. Totally. So, um, so Jeff was really struggling finding someone and, and, uh, you know, he said, i I'm talking to publishers. They're saying they just want to put out the memoirs just, uh, as text only. They don't want to put any of his artwork in there. They don't want to put any pictures in. If they do, they want it to be black and white. And I was like, well, that's ridiculous. You can't yeah. do that. You've got to yeah. see this man's art. And I said, well, look, I will take the chance on doing a full color coffee table type book on this. I haven't done it before. But right. I promise you, yeah. um, I will give this man the, the respect he deserves, the respect his work deserves, and we're going to put out something amazing. And, you know, poured uh, a lot of money into it, it, took a big risk, and it came out incredible, and we made our money back within the first month. I'm sure. That's well, awesome. it's between the two releases, Ron Schneider's book and Raleigh's mm-hmm. book, Literally, you have me addicted to these types, <laughs> type of like sort of, they worked for Disney, but they feel free to talk about other things as well, sure. mm-hmm. you know, because Ron goes uh, deep into his experience Universal. with Universal, yep. yeah, yep. which is so fascinating to me. I agree. Like both of these books, they don't read as like informational at all. They're just no. fascinating. I can't put the, I couldn't put them down either one. Well, a lot of the other books put them in the context of just like Disney and nothing right. else. Right. Mm-hmm. And like kind of really well, like Ron, to make it really glossy. Disney doesn't barely recognizes Ron at all. You right. know what I mean? Like really at all. Raleigh, of course they do, but, but well, uh, even him, you know, we've at the last D 23, um, you know, the Marty Sklar had a what he called a living legends panel. Right. And 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 Rolly was not invited to that it's panel. Rid- it's ridiculous. Rolly was on the floor at D twenty three during wow. that panel at the Mice Chat booth. Wow. Uh, and what we've come to find is uh, Marty Sklar doesn't well they're they they've since tied things up, but they have some animosity. Yeah. But also Marty Sklar thinks he's he's a loose cannon. He can't control him. He brings him up on a panel and Rolly's inevitably going to tell some body story. Right. Uh, well, he does Marty's have a reputation for that. He does. Of course. That's who which he is. Which is great, which is wonderful. And that's one it's of just, the reasons why Walt loved him so it's much. It's so not corporate Disney, you know, yeah. which is why everyone's fallen in love with him. Yeah. And that's know? why Walt fell in love with him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And he talks about that at length in the book. But he does. You know, so, like every other, every other sentence is so-and-so would be a yes man and I wouldn't be. And that's why Walt... Exactly. Went to me. Yeah, but they're they're gonna just go. I mean, I get that they would gravitate towards people like Bob Garber or something like that. Right. Sure. He's like just I mean, more family friendly. I love these charming old guys. And, and Bob Gurr's incredible too. You know, yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. But they're he, just very different people. Bob Gurr's the, the thing I love about Bob Gurr is he's just like a whore. Yeah, he's a total media like, whore. Like he'll do anything. I love that. Yeah. It could be like, oh, I'm on a D23 panel. Oh, I'm at this like tiny little Disney meetup in Wisconsin. Right. He just loves traveling. I mean, literally, the dude's got the energy of a 25 year old. He's mm. more in shape than I am, and um, 
And yeah, I mean, I went out drinking with him at Trader Sam's one night, and that dude, he could drink me under the table. And then, and then we went back to the hotel and watched, seriously, watched a video that he had shot at Burning Man. That's like amazing. he'd have a whole documentary <laughs> Burning Man. He's I was awesome. just like, oh my god, this is insane. Mm. But uh, but yeah, but you know, he's not going to get on stage and you know right. do a few f bombs like right. Rolly would. Right. I mean, you just can't control Rolly. No, that's you that's all. Yeah. And when that happens, like. Those media events are just, they're scrutinized and taped. Oh, yeah. yeah. You kind of can't blame them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I really don't either. They're a corporation, you know. They have, you know, investors and things like that. But uh, it's a shame that they don't have sort of an offshoot that would release this. But that's why we have you, that's you know. for me. And, you know, it is And a the shame. book is it's, gorgeous. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, we, we really tried to make it look good. We did um, a hardcover pressing 500 uh, signed and numbered hardcovers, and those those sold out pretty quickly. But um, you know they were like sixty bucks a piece, and we wanted to make sure that just anyone and everyone could have the chance to to see this book and, yeah. and read Rolly's story. So we have a a paperback edition. The paper is slightly thinner yeah. than the hardbacks was, but it's the color is still beautiful, and the the art is still you know looks great. And it's only uh, twenty five bucks. I think yeah. Amazon discounts it to twenty two or something. Yeah. So very affordable, um, you know, and and I think it serves Rolly's legacy really well. Yeah, they're uh-huh. I, they're they're gorgeous. I uh, really enjoyed reading it. Those those two in particular, the Dreamer to Dreamfinder and the Rolly Crump book, I could I literally couldn't put them down. I finished them, you know, in a matter sure. of you know a matter of you know a couple days or whatever for each. It's awesome. Anyway, I did a sculpt of uh, Rolly's very famous Leaky Tiki's, and we're doing twenty five sets of those. And uh, yes. wow. Yeah, it's uh, great. It's funny. He still has got this thing where he just can't believe that people are so into him. Um, he's just always genuinely surprised by it, um, which is which crazy. Is, uh, it's so sweet. You know, he's just such such a cool guy. The way he comes off in the book is the way he comes off in person, which, which is, is one is of the best things about the book. I mean, you really get a sense when you read that book that you know you know the man. Like you you've sat there with connected. him for a few hours. Yeah, yeah. very connected. He. The way that he dictates, you know, comes off as like talking to someone like you would in art school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I remember being in art school and sort of talking about someone's methodology. You know what I mean? About mm. how they're making something. And yeah. that's how I felt reading his book. Like, oh, that makes sense. You're going to think about it this way and make something like that. Mm. Yeah. Makes a and lot I'll- of sense. A lot of credit, of course, goes to Jeff. You know, Jeff got to know him very well um, beforehand and then recorded all the, the interviews and transcribed them and then kind of presented them in a way that uh, was linear and had a narrative to it, which uh, when you talk to Rolly, you'll realize he he kind of starts telling a story and then he'll jump to another story and then jump to another one and then kind of jump back to the original one, and, <laughs> you right. know, and, which is, is fun, but it doesn't really make for a good book per se. Right. Um, so Jeff, Jeff really did a great job with that because I think he had a very close connection with Rolly and, and just knew, you know, just knew how he talked and stuff and kept that voice. And, uh, and what's fun is a lot of people, I, I put out audio books for all, all the books that we release. Um, for example, from Dreamer to Dreamfinder, Ron Schneider read it, which is, it's so fun to hear him do the voices like of, of a Dreamfinder and stuff in the audiobook. But Rolly, um, you know, we just couldn't do it because it would mean him rereading his entire book, which right. for a man of his age is a total waste of his time right. and energy. 
because what ended up happening is he had all these other stories that he hadn't told. So we said, okay, we're not going to do the audiobook. Why don't we just record you telling all these extra stories? Um, and we'll record those and release them as CDs uh, or downloads. And so that's what we've done. We've got this, uh, we call them more cute stories. So we're right. on volume four now, and it's him sitting there telling you stories like you're just sitting sitting with him, listening to him. And, and it's incredible to hear from, from his mouth. And more incredible, even if no one bought a single copy, I really feel like these things need to be documented of course, um, of course. Just for historical significance. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of these stories you're just not going to hear anywhere else, partially because of Rolly's honesty and willingness to tell it how it is. Um, and also because he, he worked very closely with a lot of the, the people that, uh, well, with Walt, for example. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's pretty incredible. That's and it bums me out because, like, I'll hear stories he's telling about, like, Marty Sklar, and then I read Marty Sklar's book, and it, it's dry, it's boring. Right, right. And, but I hear the stories he's telling about Marty Sklar, and he sounds like a really fun, cool guy. Right. But I don't get that from his book right. at all. Right. So that's that kind of tells you the difference between the whitewashing that goes on and then, you know, what was actually happening. Yeah. That's my favorite thing, actually, about Raleigh's book is the way he talks about him and like Mary Blair, you know, because I really think you get a sense of both of the characters, you know, because of course Mary didn't live long enough to write about her own life or whatever. And you get the Disney fied version of, you know, her life, you know, in the form of a art and flair of Mary Blair or whatever, Mm -hmm. which really doesn't touch upon her personality at all. But in, in Raleigh's book, you really get a sense of both of them and their dynamics together and how he, looked up to her, you know, and how she kind of like embraced him or whatever. It's very, it's so sweet it and is. charming. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's just brilliant. It's very sweet. You know, he, yeah. he was just so into her and just thought she was the best thing ever. And, and that's so cute. That's adorable. It is. And then, it, you know, what was amazing is they got to work together and together they produced such amazing stuff. Yeah. And what is the best thing is that Walt, somehow knew that this was a perfect combination and put them together to work on these things. And that, you know, is just part of his brilliance, of Walt's of brilliance, just seeing like, oh, yeah, I should put these two together and they're going to do something. And they did. They just did amazing work together. Yeah. it's really, It really is great. Yeah. So then, okay, moving uh, past these two wonderful sort of memoirs, then what happened with Bamboo Forest Publishing? Um. Well, you know, I just... Uh, you got into some fiction, right? Yeah, so I did uh, another another piece of fiction. My newest book is called Hapst and the Disney Saboteurs. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, we'd actually released one called Hollow World. Okay, and that was, and who wrote that? That, that was by you, right? Nick Poberski. Okay. Um, and that is, uh, we describe it as Die Hard in Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a detective, a detective named Charlie Walker, who goes on vacation to, to Disney World... Um, with his family, and his family gets kidnapped by this criminal mastermind. Okay. And, and he's got to solve these mysteries in order to, to get his family back. And then it, the whole thing kind of gets much, much bigger when the, the CIA, CIA gets brought into it, and there's all this intrigue and shootouts on the monorail, and it's, it's really it's pretty exciting, actually. Um, and so and that's actually been really well-received, and yeah. people really dug it. And so when I was doing my book... Uh, I needed a 
head of security for, for Walt Disney World in, in Habs, Habs and Disney Saboteurs. And I figured, you know, the, the character I'm picturing is exactly like Charlie Walker, the lead in Hollow World. I said, okay. why, why am I going to bother rewriting, making a brand new character when I could just use this fully formed one that Nick's nice. already created and make him the head of security? Nice. And, um, and so we kind of created like this Marvel Universe type thing. And which I call the Bambooniverse, um, and uh, and and so it's like you know we're we're kind of commingling characters uh, from from the books and and for example like Adam the Woo he shows up in in, in all of our books now just kind of passes by randomly in like a very short snippet um, and uh, so we've kind of got this this thing going now where we're we're using these characters but but uh, yeah so I wrote Haps and the Disney Saboteurs the idea being that. Um, the worst attractions, the ones that we as Disney geeks hate the most, are being sabotaged. Nice. And uh, the blame gets pinned on Hapst. And oh my he's, God. he didn't do it, but he's got three days to figure out who the real saboteurs are. And so that's kind of the, the setup for this, for this book. That's so actually it's, like a pretty good uh, yeah. summary right there, actually. That's a good jumping off point for a book. That's also a great idea. Yeah, it really Yeah, is. it's, it's kind of like... When I started, I started as like Fletch in Walt Disney World. Yeah. But then it it started uh it started getting all these futurism and sci-fi elements into it, and a lot of stuff about that I was into at the time about the dark net and uh, you know Bitcoin and all this this kind of tech stuff. But but at its base, it's kind of a comedy mystery type type of book. Yeah. So, so this. Bamboo Forest Publishing is like kind of taking off. Then you guys are doing a couple books a year. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's I'm, great. I'm very. My idea with Bamboo Forest is that people know when I release a book that if it's if they've liked the other ones, they will like this one. So yeah. it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where anything if you liked Bamboo Forest Publishing releases, you'd be like excited about the newest one coming up because you know it's something you're going to dig. Um, I'm ve- so I'm very very selective as to what I release. Yeah. And as a result, I'm not churning out you know 30 releases a year. Um, it's probably going to be you know three or four maybe. Yeah. Because um, I only release what I would like to read. That's great. So. I mean, that's I don't know. That's what I come to expect for sure. Like the I don't know just the printed editions alone. Like they're such high quality. You know, I know it's not going to be some sure. like chintzy like. I don't know, self-published, printed on your computer garbage. Right. You know what I mean? Like they all, especially like Raleigh's book, is just so beautiful. Yeah. You know? And I love the, I love, love, love my print books. I'm not a Kindle guy. I don't, I, yeah. I have a Kindle, but I, I don't use it. I, I read print books. Yeah. And so I always make sure that uh, the print books are very high quality. And I, I do, you know, fun things with the formatting and stuff. So, you know, maybe... One chapter's in a, in a different font and a different layout because right. it's got a different feel to it or something sure. like that. Um, and Rolly's book, the the layout was incredible, done by a very talented artist uh, and named Amy Inouye, and she just did a spectacular job. Ser- seriously um, beautiful. Like between like bright, huge, full-page uh, photos, you know, like yeah. beautiful artwork, full-color, full-page artwork. It's gorgeous. And I can't imagine that book without that. No, I mean, I, it literally wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the same book. No. You know, I absolutely love it, especially, like, getting a glimpse into what Raleigh's up to now. You know, like, <laughs> the more up-to-date, like, Josephine Baker 
artwork. Yeah, and, it's so and you're beautiful. Never, you would never see that in a in a Disney release or never. Never. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Well, it, it, it was such a great uh, opportunity to talk to you, Leonard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely love the books you've been putting out, and I've been uh, asking the other hipsters to get you on the show for a while now. <laughs> and thank God, uh, Jamie and Keith were at Disney World, and we had an opportunity <laughs> to talk to you. Yeah, finally, because yeah. uh, you know those bastards are so selfish, and they'll never get off the show. Yeah, it's just it, having them on it and someone else. It's just too much. It, it becomes a whole muddled mess. Yes. So I'm excited that it actually happened. Yeah, I've been wanting to come on here forever because I really like your show. So that's it's, great. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I finally got to come on. That's yeah. great. We'll have to have a joint uh, Northeast meetup. We really, really should. should. Yeah. There's no reason not to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome, guys. It was great being on. Thanks for listening to this ridiculous episode of the Disney Hipster Podcast. If you want to read our daily blog post, please go to DisneyHipsters.com. Follow us on Twitter at DisneyHipsters, Facebook.com slash DisneyHipsters, Instagram.com slash DisneyHipsters. You can follow Leonard at... Uh, Darkside Disney. Darkside Disney on Twitter. And... Uh, and go to bamboofourcepublishing.com, right? That's right. Is that right? And I'm sure on that page you can order any of these beautiful books. You can. There's uh, there's signed copies on there of, of my books and my Shiner's books, and there's some signed prints from Early Crump, actually. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Clearly you need to do that right now. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.